Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Portal Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Clinton, Managing Editor over at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. And uh, first of all, thank you guys so much for listening to the to the show. Uh, this is right around a year since we started. Really enjoy doing these each and every week and uh, hope you guys enjoy the content. Transfer Portal and, and NIL and, and the world that is college football now has been absolutely wild and uh, I've loved help covering it for you guys. Uh, make sure you are, are, are subscribed and, and uh, you're over at heartlandcollegesports.com checking out everything that we've got over there uh, that is Big 12 related. If it's Big 12 related, we've got it covered over there. Um, the transfer portal. We we saw the window close. Uh, it, it closed officially uh, on on Tuesday, and we're still going to see some names trickle in uh, as paperwork continues to get filed. Those things do happen. I believe the schools have ten days or so to uh, to 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 get their their players' names officially in the portal once they've handed paperwork in. So we could still see some guys. Uh, do that, but for the most part, everybody's in. We are going to see this. This is just wild. We are going to see that number eclipse two thousand. We're gonna have. We're gonna see over two thousand players enter the transfer portal in this cycle. We're at nineteen hundred and ninety-eight, according to On Three, and it's wild. Uh, this is just this is part of what we we're going to see in college football from here on out uh, until some big time changes are made to how things are, are are handled internally with with programs and and uh, you know nil and and collectives and all of that. This is this is just part of the sport now, and we, we're just going to have to get used to that. Um, of those 1,998 players, 660 have found a new home in the first month. So that's just at 33%. Um, just wild. I mean, you're, you've got 67% of, of the players that have entered the portal don't have a home. Um, and I think that that's going to that's gonna end up leveling out somewhere around 55% of players having a home, 45% not. Um, that's about what it's been the last couple of years. So we will likely see a lot of players find a new place to play, but it's far from guaranteed and, uh, just lots of, lots of things to, that are moving and and lots of things to keep up with. So, uh, some of the latest news, some of the latest things that have happened here, Julian Fleming, uh, a a former five-star wide receiver, former top 10 player in the country, uh he he was at Ohio State. He's not going far. He's staying in the division, though there I don't believe will be divisions in Big Ten football next year. Uh he's going to Penn State. And and Penn State was desperately in need of some players uh to step up in the wide receiver room. You saw uh you saw Dante Cephas transfer in from uh from Kent State. You saw him transfer in and was supposed to be a big get for them, and, and things just didn't pan out. So they go out and get a former five-star guy uh, and Julian Fleming. Huge get for, for the Nittany Lions. Uh, we also saw Deshaun Pace today, former Cincinnati Bearcat. If you're over at OU Insider, or excuse me, if you're over 
at uh, heartlandcollegesports.com, you will see that that Deshaun Pace, uh, this story was written earlier by yours truly. Uh, this is the third Bearcat. This is the third Cincinnati Bearcat that has transferred to UCF. Uh, he's joined Brian Threats, uh, fellow safety, and running back Miles Montgomery, uh, both of those guys becoming Golden Knights uh, if you're if you're an old school UCF fan or or just UCF Knight at this point in time. So uh, lots of things going on between those two schools. They've been rivals, and and now it, it appears that that uh, some of the better players from Cincinnati's side of that rivalry are, are going to try out uh, life on the beach down there in Orlando. So good stuff for for UCF. Speaking of. UCF's had nothing but good news uh, over the last couple of days. K.J. Jefferson, one of the best uh, available quarterbacks in the transfer portal, he decides that uh, UCF's where he wants to spend his final year of eligibility. Former Arkansas quarterback, big, big big-time get there for for UCF. And then, obviously, R.J. Harvey's coming back. Uh, You've got Kobe Hudson coming back. Uh, Javon Baker is, is kind of mulling around on the idea of coming back. So lots of, of key contributors in that offense coming back. And I would say they've upgraded at quarterback as good as John Rice Plumley is, uh, KJ Jefferson's a difference maker. And I think that that could end up being a huge, huge get for them, uh, in the, uh, in the transfer portal. So big stuff going on in the big 12 gotta love where where UCF is at at this point in time let's let's transition here a little bit um let, let's talk about uh one thing that I have noticed over you know really over this cycle I would say uh more so than than in the past and that is the the effect that Nil is having on players returning so over the last decade, um, we have seen, and right at a decade, this is the 10th year of the college football playoff, we have seen the rise of players opting out of bowl games. I remember when when Stanford running back Christian McCaffrey did it, and he was like the first big, big name that decided he wasn't uh he wasn't going to take part in the bowl game and so he kind of starts this trend of well the game I'm playing in doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things so I'm just going to sit it out not risk getting injured uh prepare myself for the draft and and uh you know we're we're going to just move forward with 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 the career and and be done with college um that's become just a regular part of of college football now. However, I will say that we could see that trend start to dissipate just ever so slightly uh, thanks to NIL. Yeah, I I can't believe I just said that either. Thanks to NIL. Um, Look, money talks. It, it it's not just not just in college football that's that's just part of life uh money talks and and i think that this is a situation that w- we can be totally candid about players are getting paid 
no, not for the first time in college football, but openly for the first time. Um, and the market right now is, it's not saturated yet. I think we're going to continue to see numbers go up and up and up uh, until at some point return on investment starts to become an issue and we see uh, things start to level out. What that is doing is it's it's allowing schools to retain some of the players that they otherwise may have lost to a draft. Uh, perfect example, R.J. Harvey. That is a running back who he's got an NFL career ahead of him. He he has it the 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 it factor. He's got it. He's got speed. He's got burst. He's powerful. Um, got all the film in the world, and he's going to be an NFL running back. However, the market for running backs right now is as bad as it's ever been in the NFL. Uh, they're paying them uh, much lower salaries than what we saw in years past. And the return on investment for a running back right now is just given the nature of the position, there's so many injuries that, that happen. Uh, it ends up being, it's, it's a position that, that the NFL has deemed less valuable. And so for guys like RJ Harvey, who have this, you know, they have a career ahead of them, they can still maximize on their profit by coming back in college for another year and making some guaranteed money and continuing to, to enjoy the college life. It's, it's a good, it's a good thing for, for both sides. Now there are situations like, uh, Ollie Gordon, for example, at Oklahoma state, this is a guy that is, he, he could, after the season he had, uh, any, any roster that is in need of a running back that is willing to pay uh, would be willing to to pay top dollar to get Ollie Gordon into their into their locker room. However, I th- I think in the situation that he's in, being an Oklahoma guy, it, it's uh, or you know ex- excuse me, being a Texas guy, being an Oklahoma State guy, uh, somebody that's that's uh, been around for a couple of years now. His loyalty paid off, and and uh, Oklahoma State boosters were able to put together enough to keep him in town, which is good. Uh, it's really good for it's good for Gordon. It's good for the Cowboys, who are returning a lot of production next year. Um, but but it extends. It does extend beyond the running back position. Colin Oliver at Oklahoma State. That's another guy that that you know typically we would probably see leave for the NFL draft. He sticks around. He's playing another year. Uh, you know, jump on the other side of the of the Bedlam rivalry, Danny Stutzman. That is that's a that's a linebacker who probably he's a he's a day two. Uh probably got a, a day two grade. He's he's looking at a second or a third round selection. He's coming back. Uh Billy Bowman, another safety, uh, another defender that that uh for Oklahoma that's coming back despite the fact that he would have been drafted this year. There are there's just we're seeing it across college football where some of these names are are starting to return and it's a good thing i i, I we're seeing more experience return to college football and and overall the product is better because of that uh, and i think you'll see 
over the next few years that the product overall continues to get better uh, because you have more experienced players sticking around. You've got more experienced players playing in the bowl games. Um, and then on top of all of that, you've got the 12 team playoff coming up, which is going to hopefully uh, minimize some of the, uh, the opt outs that we've seen, uh, at least from those top 12 schools. So, you know, it, it, it'll be interesting to see how it all ends up playing out together, but it is worth noting that the, uh, the, the opt-outs and the players declaring uh, early does seem to be taking a bit of a dip now. And, and that's, that's a really good thing for college football. It's something we can all be happy about. So, uh, all right, we've got some, uh, we've got some things to talk about this week. The big 12 is, uh, the season's officially over for the conference. We saw two of the absolute best college football playoff semifinal games we will ever see uh this week we saw michigan take down alabama in overtime in the rose bowls 27 to 20 absolute classic football game two great defenses going back and forth um it was it was everything you could ever want in a college football game and then somehow almost impossibly oklahoma or uh, not Oklahoma State, Texas and Washington face off in the Sugar Bowl. And it's equally as competitive. It, it's equally as compelling of a football game. Uh, ends up Washington winning 37 to 31, but Quinn Ewers and the Longhorns had the ball on the Washington 13-yard line on the last play of the game. And it comes down to, to a 4th and 11 uh, it was just, it was an incredible game. Both of them just lived up to all the hype that you could ever hope for uh, in a football game. And and, and we saw uh, a lot of players and, and uh, we saw a lot of, of things happen that, that will affect not just, you know, how, how we look at the four-team playoff, uh, which is now in the past, but, um, you know, how this season is viewed because... The SEC is not in the national championship. Uh, that's the first time that's happened in several years. Uh, we, we're seeing a, a Big Ten school and a future Big Ten school uh, face each other in, in the national championship game. And we're seeing some some things happen that, you know, uh, otherwise we just we just wouldn't have we wouldn't have seen uh, the the big question for me at least that comes out of this. Yes, Jalen Daniels, or excuse me, uh, Jaden Daniels at LSU was worthy of a Heisman Trophy. The numbers that he put up for LSU were incredible. They were gaudy. They were I mean whatever superlative you want to throw. Uh, after his name to describe the season he had, it, it would it would fit. However, what I saw from Michael Penix on Monday night tells me everything that I need to know to make a decision on when the voting for the Heisman Trophy, um, when the voting for the Outland trophy award for you know any of these national uh awards the voting on those things should not happen until after the bowl season is over 
It just shouldn't. There's there's no reason why the the best players in the sport on the biggest stage don't get an opportunity to prove why they deserve uh you know an individual award. I I will stand I will die on the hill that if if the um Heisman Trophy is selected after the college football playoff. I I think I think Michael Penix wins it. I think he I think he overtakes Jaden Daniels and he wins it. This is something that needs to change. We need to see the voting process for these awards change because it it would help the sport on two fronts. One, I think you have a more legitimate argument uh, for some players to to make their case, and and you've got an entire data point to go off of, not just the regular season and conference championship weekend. You have an entire body of work from beginning to end. Their stats from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, you have all of it to go off of, and you get to see them at their best. In the biggest moment, you get to see what these Heisman contenders do for their teams in a bowl game. So that's one benefit. The other benefit is if you've got guys, big names that are in in contention for a a Heisman trophy, they probably don't sit out of that bowl game. I mean, Jaden Daniels didn't even play in in the bowl game against Wisconsin and He's the Heisman Trophy winner. You don't see him play again after he won the Heisman. It just it's it's just an odd it's an odd deal. I, I think that things need to change, and uh, this weekend showed me that perfectly. I, I I had several discussions with with people, uh, some of which had uh, Heisman votes that said I kind of feel like the wrong guy won it. Or maybe even I, I may have even voted for the wrong guy. So it, it just makes a lot of sense. I think that that's there, there's a lot of changes coming to the calendar in college football, and I think that's one that is absolutely necessary. Um, there's no reason why why Michael Penix uh, wouldn't be the guy that that ends up winning the trophy after what we saw uh, what we saw in the Sugar Bowl. He was incredible. I mean, he had pinpoint precision accuracy. He was the he was the reason why uh, they are in the national championship game. And uh, I, I think that there's merit there that that he deserves, and and uh, some things need to change. So, um, you know, we'll kind of I'll get off my soapbox on that. Uh, last thing here. It's really, really cool to see two programs that, you know, historically have, have plenty of success, but it's it, it's really awesome to see a Cinderella-ish story from from Washington and then college football's villain uh this year in Michigan after after all the scandals and stuff that that have happened. It's gonna be really fun to watch these two teams. Uh, just just duke it out on on a stage where this this feels like it's setting up to be maybe the the best national championship game that we've seen in in, in a little while as far as uh, as far as fan engagement because I do feel as if there may be a little bit of of um, 
fatigue towards the SEC winning national championships and representing their their uh you know their brand and, and and all of that in the national championship and now now you don't have a team uh from that conference and and you you get to see the Pac-12 uh hopefully for for Washington go out with a bang and and win the final national championship uh that they're able to be represented in or or you know does Washington or does 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 Michigan uh you know Michigan against the world does that just continue and and they they run the table undefeated and and, and win it all somebody is going undefeated and winning the national championship which is awesome in and of itself but the fact that it's not a Georgia it's not an Alabama uh it's not an Ohio State or a Clemson over the last several years that's who it's been uh in LSU th- this feels like a this feels like a different, like an old school battle, and and it's fun. Uh, at least for for those of us that enjoy college football at its at its core, uh, it's really fun. It's a good matchup, and I'm excited about it. So, um, happy New Year to you guys! Thank you again for for listening and and taking the time to listen to me ramble about college football and about all the new things that are going on. Uh, thank you again for listening in the first year. Here, we're excited about what 2024 has to bring. And remember, if you guys like the show, just consider subscribing, leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. And if you do that, take a screenshot of it on your phone. Email that screenshot to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. That's my boss. He will send you one of these great-looking uh, white and red koozies. It's it's white with a red Heartland College Sports logo. They look fantastic. I've got a couple right here uh, on the desk, and and uh, they they look great. They keep your beer cold, which is really all that matters at the end of the day. Uh, if you want one of those, just send a screenshot of of your review and rating to to Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com, and he'll get one of those out to you in the mail pretty quick. All right, I'm Brian Clinton, and we will catch you next time out here in the portal.